Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. This morning we're starting with something new, and I'm not going to show you just now what we're starting with. But we're going to do this till the end of the month because, you know me, I like to, to get everything out of a topic as I can. Why? Because I wanted that thing to drop into our hearts before we move on. You can't just sometimes speak about a powerful topic just for one week and then, and then just go on. Sometimes we need to reiterate it and go over it again and, and get that truth to drop so deep into our hearts that it brings change into our lives. And that's what we want to speak about today. Now, before I start, I read a story this week that really caught my attention. And I want to read it to you quickly, and then I'll speak, to, speak about it. So General Stonewall Jackson was a general in the American army, and he found himself on one side of a river when it needed to be on the other side. You know, sometimes, have you in your life been on one side of a river, and then you realize that you need to get to the other side, you don't know how? But he was a general, and his army was on this side with, in the old days, all the wagons and everything. So what did he do? He called all his engineers together and plan and uh, together to plan and build a bridge to go over to the other side, to cross. Then he called his wagon master to him, and he said to him, listen, it is urgent to get all these wagons across the river as soon as possible. So the wagon master gathered all the locks, the rocks, the fence rails he could find to build a bridge. Long before daybreak the next day, General Jackson was told by the wagon master, all the wagons and artillery has crossed the river, sir. And the general looked at him and he said, listen, okay, but where's all the engineers? What are they doing? And the wagon master only replied, said, well, they're still in the tent up there in the hill planning. I'm not gunning engineers here today. <laughs> but see, as a church and a community of Jesus, we should reflect what? We should reflect the message of Jesus, right? That's what we need to do. What else are we here to do? To play nice songs and, and drink coffee? No, no. We need to reflect and live the message of Jesus. See, if we look at the Christian church from birth to now, from the Acts church till now, we see quite something amazing. That the one thing that Christians was known for is, do you know what? They were known for love for each other. Love for each other. Now, I know they started killing each other and Protestants and all those things. There was some dark ages in there. But, but the, the main thing, if you look at the Christian faith, if you look at it's people who love each other. Now, the main theme of our Christian faith is this. It's the love of the Father and the love of the Son for you and for me. That's the main theme. No matter what we do and what, what way we go, if you look at the Christian faith, the main theme is love. That is it. John 3.16, and it's probably one of the, the most well-known scriptures in the Bible, but look what the, the, the New Living Translation says. It says, For this is how God loved the world. This is, this is it. He says, He gave His only a one and only Son, so that everyone, that means all of us who believes in Him, will not perish but have eternal life. This is love that He gave. Now the theme of our sermon series is the following, and it's called Love Defined. You know, one of our, most of you who've been here for a while know that our theme in our church is we love God and we love people. That's who we are. We love God and we love people and because the love of God is in our lives, the love overflows in our lives into people's lives and that's what, what we're going to speak about this next two, three weeks 
um, going into a mission where we need to love people. Now today I'm going to build up a, a bit of a foundation before I dive into one or two things next week and the week after that. But the question is this morning for all of us. This is the question. How do we as believers define love? Think about it quickly. How do you define love in your life? It might be a relationship. It might be love. It might be this, your marriage. It might be a lot of things in our lives. But it is shocking, shocking today if you Google the word love. If you just Google love, love, what comes up? Or if you speak to the younger, younger generation about love. See, if you read more about that, you come to the shocking realization that the world points to an immoral way of love, to a, to a materialistic way of love. It's all about me. It's all about the self. That's what the world points to when you look at the definition of love. And if you read more about it, about this, um, the me, the self, the this, it's incredible that you know that one of the core values of the satanic church is it's all about me. That's their core value. And, and I read an article this week, I don't know if you've seen it on Facebook, but the core founder of the satanic church got radically saved a couple of weeks ago. Do you see that? Did you read the story? He ran into, it was a meeting, he ran into a lady, a Christian lady, and he always didn't want to hang around Christians because they all are fake. And he said this lady came and spoke to him. She wasn't scared at him because he had a bad tattoo coming down. He's, I mean, he looked horrendous. And she spoke to him and she gave him a bear hug. And in that moment, he experienced love like never. It's like, what is this that I just experienced? And then a few weeks after that, he had to do a satanic ritual to take him to a higher level. That's how stuff works there. And in that moment, Jesus appeared to him. And he said, well, if you're Jesus, then show me the love that, that you say you show. And God poured his love into that man, and he recognized it as the same love as the lady who hugged him. And it radically changed his life. So the reason why this story about General Stonewall Jackson caught my attention was this. It's the difference between the engineers and the wagon master. The engineer was sitting in a tent trying to figure out while the wagon master acted. He acted. He didn't think about it. He just acted. So how many Christians today are still, still sitting in the church busy planning to love others while others are defining love as an action and just going for it? It's true, isn't it? Now let's be honest with ourselves this morning. If... if if, if Christians through the ages were known by their love for each other, how does that picture look today? Think about it. I, I had to think a, a, a while. <laughs> if I'm, I'm, I'm looking through Acts, and if I'm looking at the love of the, the, the disciples and the, how the church were birthed, and I'm looking at today, I had to think deeper. You see people who come and say, oh, I don't like that church. Oh, they're a bunch of weird guys. I don't go there. Or people say, oh, I don't go to that cell group. That's that. I don't like that one guy there, so I'd rather go to a different one. Or I don't go to that event or to that spa or to that thing. I don't like the people at the, the door. Or I don't like this or I don't like that. Or I, don't like, I mean, I was, I've been in ministry for, for 25 years. And I've been in a couple of churches as a pastor. And I can tell you, 
<laughs> Many a times on a Saturday night, I get a text or a phone call. Hey, who's preaching tomorrow? Oh, oh so-and-so. Okay, no, no, I'll, I'll, I'll see you next week. You see, offense and entitlement is ripping through the church and the body of Christ. And because people are in church, the church and Christians, believers, are still planning and not acting. Come on. We're planning and not acting. When the Holy Spirit filled 120 disciples in the upper room, I mean, it was a mess. They, I mean, those guys were bubbling over. They ran into the streets and they started shouting, preaching, and changing lives. <laughs> it's incredible. Love came and shifted the situation to a different level that never, nobody's ever seen that. Now, of course, scripture for our few, uh, for the sermon series is the following. It comes from Matthew 22, and it's actually th verse 37 to 40, but I'm going to give you a bit of context this morning. So let's read it together. It says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they're speaking about Jesus. Okay, so Jesus silenced the Sadducees with his reply. They met together to question him, and one of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with the question. Now, this is what happened. Jesus silenced the Sadducees. Said, oh, he just silenced them with their own knowledge. So the Pharisees like, ooh, ooh, who did that? Let's bring our best guy, and we'll, we'll show him. We'll trap him in the word. And the guy asked him, the, the expert in religious law asked him, teacher, it's funny that he called him teacher. It's quite funny every time I read it. Which is the most important commandment of the law of Moses? So he brings in the law. Boom. Let's come to the law. We're experts in the law. What do you say about that? <laughs> I love Jesus' reply. He said, Jesus said, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, Deuteronomy, 20, uh, Deuteronomy 6, I think. And then he jumped to Leviticus and he says, In the second commandment, it's equally important love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Jesus said, this is not just in the law, it comes from the prophets, before the law. It's incredible, isn't it? Jesus said, never mind the law, let's go before the law, and even the prophets prophesied that you need to love God and every, uh, everyone else. Now, I love this. The Pharisees, the Pharisees came and tried to test Jesus with the law. Say, so let me test you with the law. The one thing that they thought they were experts at. So Jesus used the law to reveal their hearts. Watch out. Let, let me use the law to reveal what's in your heart. You see, he said that they need to remember that the, Lord, the law was designed to instruct people on how to love God and how to love others. It was designed for that. See, Jesus knew that the religious leaders of that time became so obsessed with keeping every detail of the law that they lost the ultimate purpose of it. They lost the sight of, of the ultimate purpose of the law. You see, their fruit, the Pharisees' fruit, showed immediately that, that, that it showed that they neither loved God or loved others. They were obsessed with themselves and with what they knew and how important they were they just wanted to keep the law and know everything. And Jesus said, you're missing the point. You're missing the main point of this whole thing. See, the same thing is still happening today. 
People are still willing to violate these two great commandments to make sure that they enforce some other commandment that they are misapplying the word with. I've heard that so many times. See, if we look and study the Scripture very carefully, we'll see that the Old Testament law and the New Testament grace directs to the same end. Love God, love people. The same end. But the motivation that leads to this end is different. Let me, t- let me tell you. The Old Testament law motivated people to love God and love others because there is a fear of punishment if you fail. You will be punished if you fail this. So I command you to do this. The New Testament grace freely gives us a God kind of love. Guess what? Unconditionally. He gives it to us. And He tells us to love as we have been loved. Go to Ephesians 4. You'll see it. Love others as you are loved. See, it is actually possible to act holy without loving God. Ooh, I can't believe you just said that. It is true. It is possible to act holy without loving God. Can I give you an, a, a secret? It's impossible to have and live a God kind of love and not produce holiness. It's impossible. If you have God's love in your heart and you're overflowing with it, it is impossible not to produce a place of holiness in your life. But you can act holy. Hallelujah, pastor. You remember, you you get that, that, that Sunday service mask. Amen, brother. Hallelujah to that. And then you get the mask off and you put your Monday mask on. and You can act holy very easy without loving God or without experiencing the true love of God in your life. A dad was, was reading a story to his little girl, three years old, about Jesus and how he saved the world. And his girl was listening. She was listening very carefully, attentively to daddy. And he was telling the story and she thought very deep. And suddenly she jumped up. And she said, I am Captain Jesus. My superhero is love. And daddy is like, he just rolled with this. Like, man, that's awesome. That's an interesting superhero, superpower. He said, what can you do with that? He said, oh, that's, that's the best power ever. It can change bad people into good people. Isn't that a good story? You see, sometimes a child will understand love better than us. The child will see that love is a superpower. Listen to what Paul says. I love this. Three, Ephesians 3 verse 14 to 19. It says, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from His glorious unlimited resources, He will do what? He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will go, grow down into God's love and keep you strong. See what love does? And he says, and may you have the power to understand as, God, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. You may, exp- uh, let me just, yeah. you may experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Or may you experience the love of Christ. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Paul says, you've got a superpower. 
You need to be empowered with it. Do you have it? You see, Paul says you need to be empowered by love. That's what love is. It's not just a fuzzy feeling. Oh, It's not just that. It is an empowering, it's a gift to empower you. See, this little girl caught something so many matured Christians haven't caught yet. I mean, it's amazing. The greatest spiritual power isn't a prophecy. I prophesy over you. And it's great. It's an awesome gift. Or to pray for people and see miracles. Or to raise the dead. It's not the greatest gift. The greatest gift is to love. It's to love God and to receive and experience His love. You see, you can love God, but you need to experience His love. When you love Him, you experience His love. And then what happens? You show His love. You give it, you receive it, and you, uh, you sorry, you, you love Him, you receive it, and you give it. See, love is a verb. It's a verb. It's an action word. Love isn't primarily something you feel, it's something you do. And so many times in my life, uh, when I was earlier, when I was a young Christian, I thought love is something I feel. I was waiting for, Lord, for the Lord in worship. I said, Lord, I just want to feel something. I want to feel your love today. And as soon as I started raising my hand, clapping my hands, um, singing with passion, I started experiencing God's love because I acted. There was an action that went out. See, looking at Jesus, we can define love as love is doing what is best. Whoops, don't worry. Don't worry, that's just the doors. <laughs> Everybody runs out. Don't worry. There's no scream. No, we're fine. It says, looking at Jesus, let me just reiterate this. It's a very important point. If we look at Jesus, this is how we define love. You're ready for it. Love is doing what is best for others, not what matter, no matter what it costs you. Jesus knew exactly what it would cost him to die on the cross, but he was thinking about all of us, every one of us. Every one of us who was and was, is now and was to come. He didn't, he didn't worry about the cost. He worried about who we are and what we will become. In other words, Jesus said, love is more doing than feeling. Just go with me with this. So Superman comes, and he says, I'm strong, I can feel it. And he was like, yeah, sure, show me. No, no, I can feel it. I'm strong. It's like, you're not Superman. No, I can feel it, I'm Superman. No, no, show me. See, it's the same thing. We think love, oh, so I love you, I love you. No, no, show me that you love me. It's not just a love language thing, it's acts of service. And, yes, but when people show you they love you, it's a different kind of thing that happens in your heart. That's why love is a superpower, and we can't miss this. It changes things around us. So how do we prove that love is a verb? How do we prove today and say, yeah, love is actually an action word. It's a do more than a feel. How do we do this? Well, we can go to say, well, the word prove it. 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind, love is this. All those are verbs. It's what love does. We can say and we can go back and say what well, Jesus was an example of it. Well, that's true. He died on a cross. He didn't worry about the price. He just loved us. But I want to quickly speak about this one this morning. That you can command an action 
but you can't command feelings. You can command an action, but you can't command feelings. See, God commanded us to love. He commanded us to love Him with what? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. The word says, I command, or the word says, or command that to love God with all you've got. All you've got. That's it. Are you loving God with everything you have? I had to think about it and be honest. I need to be honest with you this morning. So, Lord, do I love you every day with all I have? You see, the first and the greatest commandment was to love God. The second greatest commandment was to love your neighbors as yourself. And then he also commanded and said, Husbands, love your wives. I command you. He says, I command you to love your enemy also. He command you. It's a commandment. Look at John 14. John 14 verse 15 Amplified says, If you really love me, you will keep, all, keep and obey my commandments. Look at one chapter on, John 15. He says, this is my commandment. And he's going to explain it. He says, love each other in the same way I've loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Others. Others. See, the dictionary defines the word commandment as a divine rule. It's not just a rule. Listen carefully. It's not just a rule. It's a divine rule. It means that it's a spiritual rule. It's a divine thing. In the Old Testament, it was a rule to obey the law. But in the New Testament, it is grace that empowers us to influence. Do you hear that? It's a big difference. Old Testament, command, obey. New Testament is, here's grace that will empower you to influence others. To make a change where you set your foot. Where you love on people. As you encounter God, you encounter people. And the people's lives change. But any aren't feelings involved? Come on, man. Where is the feeling thing? Aren't there feelings called love? <clears throat> hmm? Yes, there is, of course, but feelings are involuntary responses to a stimuli. Let me explain it to you. It's a couple of big words. This is, I walk into a restaurant. I smell the steak. Whew. What happens? You get hungry. Did someone tell you when you walk into a restaurant, oh, you need to be hungry, I command you to be hungry. Smell. <laughs> no, it just happens. It's a stimuli in your, in, in your mind that immediately tells you you're hungry. It's a feeling. It's not a commandment. You can't command feelings. You can only command actions. A woman comes to a lawyer and she says to a lawyer, I want to divorce my husband. I'm done. I hate him. But before I divorce him, I want to hurt him as much as I can possibly do. And the lawyer, clever one, See, he's going to make a bit of money here. And he said, well, don't be hasty with this. I've got a plan for you. <laughs> oh, dear, yeah. She so says, he, the lawyer said to the woman, said, go home. And then I tell you what, act as if you love your husband. More than you've ever loved him before. Tell him how much he means to you. Praise him every day, every, uh, every moment you get. 
Go out of your way to be kind, considerate, generous. Spare no effort to please Him and enjoy your time with Him every time you're with Him. Come on, man. Make Him believe you love Him. And after you've convinced Him of your undying love, then drop the bomb. Tell Him you're getting a divorce and that will really, really hurt Him. She said, oh, what a plan. Enthusiastic. She went, said, give me two months. So for two months, she showed love, kindness, listening, giving. Man, she, she gave everything. She went all out. And after two months, a lawyer called and he said, hey man, um, can I file for divorce? Are you ready? And she said, oh, oh no, sorry, no, I don't want to get a divorce anymore. <laughs> I actually realized I loved him. <laughs> you see, her actions changed her feelings. Our actions can do so much more to our feelings. Our feelings can never do something to our actions. It does, but not as much as our actions. See, when we act on what Jesus is doing in our lives and our hearts, things change around us. When you start acting on the love that God has given us. You know what? People get touched in your life when you start acting on love. Sometimes love is tough as well. If I help people every time out of the ditch, oh, I'll help you, i love you. Then they're going to fall into the ditch every time. But sometimes say, listen, you're in the ditch now for the seventh time. This is how you get out. I love you. Don't do it again. Then you teach them to get out. So sometimes love is tough as well. But can I be honest with you this morning? When God's love touches us and truly touch you, our spirit starts to overflow from within us what the scripture says rivers of living water will flow from you and guess what then no commitment no commandment is needed when God's spirit really touches you nobody has to tell you I command you to love it just happens there's an overflow in your heart that man you can't help this in that moment that 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 we realize it is his grace that makes love to overflow in our lives. In that moment. That's what we realize. You see, His Word and His commandment gives us direction to the superpower. <laughs> it shows you, I command you not to miss this. I command you, you cannot step past this thing called love. It's not just a song. Maybe some of you heard this testimony before, but I was, I was, a, a, I was running professionally. I was, um, most of you know, I, I ran for a couple of years. And, um, and I got injured in 2000, just before the Sydney Olympic Games. And, and I, I realized I just need to get an exit. I need to get away. So I moved to London for six months and I got involved in the church there, a beautiful church. Um, and then the first couple of weeks in the church, we went on a camp. And in this camp, um, uh, well, I went to London just, I went to London because my girlfriend was there. It's not my beautiful wife today. It was a girlfriend. And um, thank God for my wife today. <laughs> <laughs> amen. Everybody say amen. There we go. Thank you, Lord. And all the husband says amen to your wife. Yeah. Anyway, so I was in this camp. And it wasn't going well with me, personally. I was not in a good space in my life. 
And in that first evening in the camp, we were in, in the Midlands in, in England, a beautiful area. It was an old church that they had, and, and there was a big open grass area, like two rugby fields with a forest, running into a forest, and a big tent that we pitched. And in that tent at night, we had worship. And I was in worship, it's like, oh, let's just go through worship here, and it's awesome. And in a moment, I felt like, oh, I suddenly feel a bit of emotion, you know, it's like, whew. And I closed my eyes, and as soon as I closed my eyes, I started bawling, crying. And I mean, for a man that age, I mean, I was 27 years, I was like, man, you don't cry before all the people here. So I was like crying like this. <laughs> and in a moment, I was from that tent in a, a vision for the first time in my life, and I saw a man coming, walking straight up to me. And as the man started walking up to me, I knew it was Jesus. I knew. Why? Because I started repenting. I started repenting because of all the stuff in my life. I'm sorry, Jesus, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And I was on my, people told me I was on my face on the ground. And I was crying, and as he was walking to me, and, and, and it ripped my life apart, this, that he did. He walked up to me, and I was repenting and throwing all my sins, and it's almost like Jesus took my sins away, like, ah, oh, here you are, Henny, come here. And he grabbed me. And in that moment, I experienced the love of God like never before. Never. It ripped me open. It wrecked my life. I cried for three days straight. People were baptizing. It's like, oh, I'm crying again. <laughs> they dishing the food. Oh, I'm crying again. It's just God is so good. But in that moment, I saw the grace of God. You see, what we do is we throw our sins in front of God. Say, Lord, I'm so sorry about this. Please say, and Jesus is like, ah, okay, this, it's good. I paid for this one, paid for this one. Oh, here you are. Come here, my son. Come here, my daughter. I just want to hug you. And in that moment, Jesus said to me, Henny, what do you want? And I know in that moment, in that day, that I could have asked for a million rand. And he would have given it to me because I saw his heart. But he knew that I wouldn't ask for that because he knew my heart. Because I was a professional runner, I was an injury, I was struggling through injury. That's a different story and a longer testimony. And I was, people was praying for me and praying for me. And, I, and the injury, I mean, I'd see miracle upon miracle. I was standing in prayer lines where people with AIDS get healed next to me and nothing. And I said, Lord, I want to I run. I want to glorify you as I run. And I was back and I was crying, sobbing, snotting tears, and I was on the ground, grass all over my face. And, and within two months, I was back home and I was running full time. And it's not because of that moment. Jesus had to show me something. He had to show me his heart for me that would, would wreck me for the rest of my life. So I want to ask you the question this morning, have you experienced his love first hand? Have you experienced the love that wrecks your life? A love that you see through Jesus' eyes. See, sometimes we think we're beyond the reach of the love of Jesus because of what I've done. I promise you, when Jesus touched me that night, I was not, a, I was not in a good space in my life. There was a lot of sin. There was a lot of stuff. That's why I felt not worthy to be touched by him. 
to be encountered by Him. If you're sitting here today and you feel not worthy, you see, guess what? Paul wasn't worthy. He killed Christians. The woman who was caught in adultery wasn't beyond the love of Jesus. They brought him to Jesus and he said, come here, I forgive you, I love you. The tax collector, he wasn't beyond any reach of Jesus. But guess what Jesus did? He pulled him into his inner circle of disciples. He loved him. The demon-possessed man, Jesus loved him. The Samaritan woman at the well, she was sinful. Jesus said, you're not beyond my love. I love you. I love you all. You see, politics don't matter. Beliefs don't matter. Status in life doesn't matter. Background doesn't matter. What we have, what he has done is what matters. Jesus loves us all. Just ask the criminal on a cross. See, the love of Jesus is big enough, strong enough, able enough to save anyone who comes to him with an open heart and says, Jesus, I need your love. Because if I don't have your love, I can't give anything. See, love is his superpower. It's his secret weapon, but he gave it to us. He said, here's... Here's some power for you. Remember Ephesians 3? I want to give from all my greatest blessings and gifts, I want to give you this. No matter if you can pray and 50,000 people can get healed and saved, and this, but if you don't love, what are you? See, he's calling us to act, not just to plan, not just to think to act. And I've got a challenge for you today before I pray for us. And I really trust God that, that He will touch you with His love today. I've got a challenge for us as a church in the next three weeks that, that each week you're going to trust God to show His love. To act on it. And I want to hear some testimonies. I'm, I'm, I'm in the boat as well. When you stand in a row and you're at the, the grocery store and you see somebody is Sad, how do you act out of love? Hey man, God loves you. I know you're sad, maybe this. You'll know. Jesus will show you. God will lead you. But it's a challenge we take up that says, Lord, help me to act out and not just feel. I will pray for you. Oh, shame, I will pray for you. No, 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 just come stand here quickly. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. See, that's acting. That's acting. And it's time for us as a church and for the church to start acting, to step out, to show His love. And sometimes you will scream inside of you, of like, oh, I can't do this. What is people going to think about me? Don't worry. Just show it. Just go for it. I had to walk up to people in my life. <laughs> it's like, man, I know it's weird, but I'm standing there and you were standing here and God showed me. Is it okay if I just hug you? Don't be weird. Or can, can I just pray for you? I want to challenge you to trust God for a, for a testimony this week. Maybe it's helping the guy on the street corner. Maybe it's giving a, a word to someone. But I'm trusting God for a testimony. Not only in our lives, but in our church's life. That we can share testimonies of God's goodness.
Can we pray together? Let's stand. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who loves more than anything else. That through the ages you have shown love and Lord, you've proven your love by sending your son to die so that we can live. Father, I pray this morning that, that you birth something in our hearts this morning. Lord, a, a passion to experience that. A passion to experience who you are. Not just who I see you to be, but who you are. A passion to experience. So if you're here this morning, just going to give a moment so that the Holy Spirit will come and touch you this morning. And He doesn't come to you because, oh, you earned it this week. Oh, I'll come to you. No, no. It's unconditional. He loves you unconditional. Sometimes people react differently. I, I receive peace that surpasses literally all understanding. Father, I pray this morning that your love will come like a wave through our church, through our lives. May you touch us this morning, Father. We need your love. We need to experience your love. We need to experience more of you, Father, so that we can give more, so that we can make the change, be the change. Charles, eh? Charles. It's Charles, eh? Man, I'm looking at you and God, it's almost like a spotlight on you this morning. And I know because you're bald, eh? <laughs> I'm just joking. But it's like God is showing a spotlight on you this morning. And it's almost like God says, I've got a plan for your life. And sometimes when people speak about God, you can feel something turn. You can feel there's a need of more. But God has given you a certain personality in your life that people just like you, man. Eh? They just like you. Because there's, there's something in your spirit that God has given you that touches people's hearts. And that's why you're in that line of job, in that line of work that you're in. And I see how you're driving people around and, and you're gonna, God's going to give you words in your mouth that will touch them deeply. Deeply. But you need to open your hearts. And as you open yourself and as God pours into you, it's almost like a funnel. He pours into you and there's going to be something that comes out and touches people's lives. Does it make sense? Bless you, bro. There's some of you here this morning, and maybe we can just close our eyes quickly. And you're standing here and you said, Father, I've been, I've been in this moment so many times. I've been in this moment where I really long to experience more of you. And I walk out feeling empty. 
God says you're never empty. You're never empty. I'm right beside you. I'm right behind you. I'm always in front of you. I'm always there to hold your hand. Some moments where you feel lonely, I'm there. Some moments where you feel guilty, I show you my hands and my feet. I show you my side, my body that was broken for you. When you're happy, I laugh with you. I really feel that this morning that sometimes you're waiting for the feeling when God is there. He just needs you to smile, to love Him. Say, Lord, I love you. If I feel it, and if I don't feel it, I know that you are there. But Lord, there's a longing in my heart. And you know what? God never missed a longing in your heart to get more. To receive more. To experience more. Because there is a gift in your life to give. Sure. Thank you, Jesus. Um, just one more word. <coughs> Anton, it might seem like a cliche, but, but I've been been looking and seeing but God has been showing me since and I'm happy that Tanya is at the back <laughs> but that your journey is far from done that when you were standing here this morning <laughs> it brought back a lot of memories and I could see how you worshipping in front of thousands And it is that, that the dream is never done. And that the context that God has placed you in until now is not the final context. <laughs> not the contest, the context. That there's something bu busy birthing inside of you as God says, thank you for your humble heart to serve both of you. And God is about to birth something new that will change a generation. There's still songs in you that will rock a generation. Same with some of you here, that you're running a business or you're part of a business, that there's business ideas in your life that will still rock a generation. Are you willing to step out and trust God? Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Lord, but I'm 65, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, 60 plus, I'm, I'm retired, I just... God says, it is not done yet. Sorry for you. I'm not done yet. I'm about to do something in your life that will rock a generation. Nolan, God's going to do something great through you and Lillian. There's a great calling on your life, on both of you, individual but also as a couple. And although you're stepping through some stuff, <laughs> God is just forming. He's forming you. And as when you walk up the mountain, you don't see the sunlight on the other side. When you're on top, you do. And God is taking you up. And there's this forming something that will change everything. Everything. And sometimes He puts things on hold until you're ready. Because He loves you and protects you.
So Father, we thank you this morning. Holy Spirit, you are so precious, so amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're taking us out of our context and showing us your love this morning. And Lord, we pray this morning that you'll start breaking our hearts with what break your heart, Father. Not just pray it, not just say it because it's a cool thing to say. But Lord, we want to see it. We want to experience you. And we want to step out, Father, to see more. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstalenbosch.co.za.